Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, dear family. Good morning, beloved children of God. It's good to be with you. It always, always is. It's Friday. Um, Every Friday is so special. You know, when I worked in the business world before I was ever even a Christian, um, we used to say, what is it, Uh, T-G-I-F, thank God it's Friday, and the restaurant chain Fridays would, would have that sign out, thank God it's Friday. Um, But you know now when it's Friday, I do thank God for a whole different reason, not because it's the end of the week, but because it's really the beginning of our salvation. Every single Friday is a mini good Friday. Every single Friday we abstain from meat. And um, here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, it's a fast day for us. Um, And uh, it's just a beautiful time to enter in every week to thanksgiving for what our Lord has done for us. And we have been going through the rosary. Um, I wonder if we have a problem. We're okay. We've been going through the mysteries of the Holy Rosary in this month of October. Um, And yesterday, or the last two days, we um, uh, got to four of the five joyful mysteries the Annunciation of the Angel Gabriel to Mary, the Visitation of Mary to Elizabeth, when John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb bowed to the Lord Jesus in Mary's womb, and uh, then the Nativity, the birth of the Lord of the universe, uh, who became man for love of us and for our salvation. Then the presentation in the temple, which is my favorite of all the mysteries. And I mentioned yesterday our our big uh, number one feast day, even though we're Benedictines. We do uh, take St. Benedict as a first-class feast, and uh, uh, our other four patrons, Our Lady of Guadalupe, um, St. Joseph, St. Francis de Sales. But the presentation of our Lord in the in the temple is our number one feast day on February 2nd. <clears throat> and we became acquainted as well with Our Lady of Good Success, who um, uh, whose feast day we found out happily last year is, is uh, February 2nd. She is the Lady of Good Success, Buon Successo, of the presentation, and we were so thrilled about that that we were able to go to Quito, uh, Ecuador, uh, for that feast day. And it was we were there for I think three or four days, I forget. Um, and we spent every day. All people say, "Don't you want to tour the city? Don't you want to see other things?" We didn't. We spent every day, all day, with Our Lady in the in the uh, in her cathedral, uh, just. It was very, very wonderful. We brought home a statue of her, so I talked to her through her statue every day. Catholics do that, you know. (laughs) It's so wonderful. So now we have the fifth glorious mystery of the rosary, 
which is finding our Lord in the temple. And he was 12 years old. And that is the age, 12 or 13 today, that a young boy is bar mitzvah. In Hebrew, bar is son, mitzvah is the law. He becomes a son of the law. And the faith is no longer simply his parents' faith, but now it's his faith. He now is responsible before God for keeping the law, for keeping his faith, for living as a true son of God. And um, that happened when my brother David and was bar mitzvahed, and it was a glorious occasion. And every Jewish uh, boy who turns 12 or 13 understands that he is now a man. He's no longer a child. And that's why one of the reasons when Jesus was lost to his parents in that big caravan, they said, where did he go? And they went back to the temple to find him. And Mary and Joseph said, why did you do this to us? We were scared. We were worried. And our Lord Jesus at 12 years old said, mom, didn't you know I need needed to be in my father's house. I know the word mom is not in scripture, but didn't you know? Why? How come you didn't know I needed to be in my father's house? It wasn't disrespectful, even though it may seem so to us at times. No, Jesus was never respect, disrespectful to his mother. He happened to be God, and uh, he knew just where he belonged. And so Bishop Sheen says this of the finding of our Lord in the temple. He says there are two kinds of souls in the world, those who hide from God and those from whom God hides. Two kinds of souls in the world, those who hide from God and those from whom God hides. But when God hides, he hides in order that he might be sought all the more as if to draw out a deeper love. During the three days when the divine child was lost, the Blessed Mother became the mother of sinners. Let me read that again. During the three days when the divine child was lost, the Blessed Mother became the mother of sinners. What is Bishop Sheen saying? He goes on to say this. The essence of sin is the loss of God. And Mary lost God, (laughs) not spiritually, but physically. During those three days, she came to know something of the solitariness of the sinner, the loneliness of the guilty, and the aloneness of the frustrated. Her divine son, 21 years later, would feel it for himself on the cross when he would ask God why God had abandoned him. Beloved, have you felt abandoned? Have you felt alone? Have you felt forsaken? It's God does not move. He doesn't leave you. It's because you have left him. Say, but I believe in God. I go to church on Sunday. Yes, You can go to church on Sunday and believe in him. But if you feel alone, if you have a deep loneliness and sadness, it may be because you've left God. Bishop Sheen says, Let no sinner ever despair of divine mercy, because Mary understands the tortures 
of the heart, but above all, because she knows where to find Christ. She also knows how to bring the sinner to her divine son as the Madonna of the empty arms. She waits your embrace. Oh, I've I've got goosebumps reading that. As the Madonna of the empty arms, she waits your embrace. I just think Bishop Sheen is just so incredible. His words are, his thoughts, his meditations are exquisite. And now we go into the second group of mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries. And it's very appropriate for us to begin that on a Friday, for sure. And the first is the agony in the garden, as you know. And in our chapel is a magnificent painting. covers an entire wall of our Lord's agony in the garden. Bishop Sheen says... As a kind person in the face of pain seeks to relieve the sufferings of his friend, so does moral kindness in the face of evil take on the punishment which evil deserves. Every mother would willingly, if she could, bear the aches of her child. A father will pay the the debts of his way. Um, the debts of his wayward son as if they were his own. Our Lord, though guilty of no sin, nevertheless, in his agony in the garden, permitted himself to feel the inner effects of sin, as on the cross he experienced also the external effects of sin. These internal effects were sadness, fear, and a sense of loneliness. Quote from our word, our Lord, rather, I'm sorry, I looked for one that would grieve together with me, and I found none. That's from the prophecies in the Old Testament. He permits his head to feel blasphemies, Our Lord permits his head to feel blasphemies as if his lips had pronounced them, his hands to feel the sins of theft as if he had stolen, his body to sense the guilt of defilement as if it were the cause. Innocence knows sin better than the guilty because the guilty are already part of it. You've got to... Take that in, beloved. Innocence knows sin better than the guilty because the guilty are already a part of it. I remember when I was a jail chaplain in my Protestant years and I would go to the Los Angeles County Jail on Sunday and there were 400 women there in the the uh, gym where they uh, allowed them to come under several guards and we would give them a church service And um, I told them one day, because most of them were in there for drugs, theft, and prostitution, all to get money. And uh, and so I said to them, you know, they look at someone like me that looks, I'm all together, I'm out in the world, uh, I'm dressed okay, I have food, 
nothing's wrong. I never knew a problem in my life, it seems to them. And there they are in jail clothes and their children taken from them and uh, wasted on drugs and uh, going through uh, some of them tremendous withdrawal in jail and it's really an awful thing. And they look at me and they think, girl, you don't even know what it's about. (laughs) And so I said to them one day, you are so wrong. You are so wrong. I have experienced pain more than most of you have because you shut it out by drugs. I don't shut it out with drugs. So I feel it more. It's the same with our Lord. He felt sin more than any of us ever will when our sin was put on him because he was innocent. He knew no sin. And so... Um, with us, we know sin. We're, we're laden with guilt, and we don't feel it very much. But the one who is pure feels it as if you've put a ton of evil on him. Bishop Sheen says, sin is in the blood. The drunkard, the libertine, the tyrant have registered sin not only in their souls, but in their brains, the cells of their body, and the very expressions of their faces. If, therefore, sin is in the blood, to atone for it, blood must be poured out. Our Lord never intended that any other blood than his own should be said, should be shed in expiation for sin. Because men have not invoked the blood of Christ for their sins, they are now at war, shedding one another's blood. You see? Christ shed his blood for our sins, but if we don't come to him, if we don't believe, if we don't belong to him as his spiritual children, um, we don't invoke his blood. We don't say, "I, Lord, I want the blood of Christ to cover me for my sins. He died for me but I want that blood to be applied to me. I want to be forgiven, and only the blood of the sinless Son of God can suffice for our forgiveness. Bishop Sheen says, The agony in the garden is not a triumph of the plans and the schemes of betrayers and enemies, but is permitted by divine decree. This is your hour, our Lord said to his enemies. Evil has its hour, but God has its day. His day. Evil has its hour, but God has his day. So, beloved, this Friday is the day both for evil having its hour, putting the God of the universe to death on the cross, but God has his day because he would be raised from the dead two days from now. He was raised from the dead And he was in the grave three days. But as you know, by Jewish reckoning, um, any part of a day is a day. And so from Friday uh, to Sunday is considered three days. Um, Okay, then. Uh, We will go on to the second sorrowful mystery, which is the scourging at the pillar. You know, we say these, we talk about meditating on the rosary, and 
just what we're reading, just what we're thinking, just what we're saying as we say the Hail Mary, we, if we meditate mentally, I'm sorry, excuse me, we meditate mentally, we go through these things. And you see, some people think it's just the pagan stuff, the rosary and all those beads, vain repetition. No, 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 no. While I was just reading all this to you, while I was thinking it, while I was meditating on it, I could have had my rosary beads in my hand saying 10 Hail Marys. And they would have kept me on focus with the mystery. Um, Kind of background music. Okay, we'll go to the second sorrowful mystery now, the scourging at the pillar. Seven centuries before, Bishop Sheen says, seven centuries before, it had been foretold that our Lord would be so wounded for our sins that we, that we would have thought him as it were a leper and as one struck by God and afflicted. That is from Isaiah chapter 3. Bishop Sheen said he lived 700 years before Christ. The time has come for the fulfillment of that prophecy. Omnipotence is bound, that's uh, power itself, is bound to a pillar in the hour of his death, as he was bound in swaddling clothes at the very hour of his birth. The scourging at the pillar must have been terrible because whenever our Lord foretold his passion, he always made particular reference to his scourging as if to emphasize the outrage of his suffering. St. Peter, after the resurrection, recalling how he stood in the outer court listening to the fall of thongs upon our Lord's flesh, and yet heard our Lord not complain, he wrote this, St. Peter, quote, who, when he was reviled, did not revile, when he suffered, did not threaten, end quote. The scourging is an act of reparation for the excessive cult of the body, quote, the body is for the Lord, end quote, in expiation for self-indulgence, his body, as the second ark of the covenant, is disclosed to profane eyes as the spouse of souls now becomes the plaything of mockers. How many strokes he received, no one knows. The prophet foretold that he would be so scourged that the bones of his body would be numbered. Now we think 39 scourges, but we don't know. He would be so scourged that the bones of his body would be numbered because his flesh would be ripped off. We are saved by other stars and stripes than these, than those on the flag, beloved, namely by the stars and stripes of Christ, by whose stars we are, il- we are illumined, by whose stripes we are healed. These are short meditations, but I think they're just magnificent.
We'll go now to the third sorrowful mystery, the crowning with thorns. And I don't know if you've ever seen a crown of thorns. When I was in California, a friend, uh, it's a plant and it actually grew. It's a plant called the crown of thorns. She grew it in her backyard and she clipped it. And it's a, a very, it's a thick vine with needles coming out of it. Needle-like structures. I don't know what you call them. They're not leaves. They're, they're real needles. And, and she formed a very, very long vine into a crown of thorns and gave it to me. It still had leaves and a couple of flowers on it from the garden, which died off in time. But I could handle it very lightly. But you, I tell you what, if you put that on my head, just lightly it would hurt. But then if you pressed it down, so the needles went through my skull as they did our Lord. And you would see the blood coming out as you saw it with our Lord. Bishop Sheen says, um, of the crowning of thorns, As the scourging was the reparation for the sins of the flesh. And I've never heard that before, beloved, that the scourging was reparation for the sins of the flesh. I've not heard that before. But when I think of how we abuse our bodies, tattoos, um, uh, piercings all over our bodies, all of that, it's... It is what the scourging made reparation for. We destroy our bodies. And so Bishop Sheen says, as the scourging was the reparation for the sins of the flesh, so the crowning and more sins of the flesh than physical than I've just named. I I know you understand that. So the crowning... um, uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I lost my page. I'm so sorry. I'll get it. I shall get it. Here. I got it. I don't know why these pages seem mixed up, but okay. As the scourging was the reparation for the sins of the flesh, so the crowning with thorns was the atonement for the sins of the mind. For the atheists who wish there were no God, for the doubters whose evil lives becloud their thinking for the egotists centered on themselves. The soldiers cursed as the thorns pricked their fingers. Then they cursed the Lord as they drove the crown of thorns into his head as a mockery of a royal diadem. Into his hands they placed a reed, the symbol of his kingdom, presumed to be false and unstable like the reed, his flesh already hanging from him like purple rags is now covered with a purple robe to ridicule his claim to kingship of hearts and nations. I tell you, beloved, I'm reading this. I downloaded this to read and to read to you, but I'm reading it with you for the first time. And it's at this stage, ripping my own heart apart. Blindfolding him, they struck him. Ask, do I know it? 
Of course. Do you know it? Yes. Do we pray the Stations of the Cross? Yes. But every single uh, new meditation, is it just stabs the heart. Blindfolding him, they struck him, asking him to prophesy or tell who it was that delivered the blow. They then bowed down before him in mock reverence. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm physically ill inside reading this. They then bowed down before him in mock reverence, spitting in his face that all the subsequent uh, Menzentes, uh, Stepinaks, and martyrs of the world might have courage in their hour of martyrdom. In this mystery is verified the truth of our Savior's warning. Quote, If the world hates you, be sure that it hated me before it learned uh, to hate you. Here we go again. I keep losing the spot. The pages are out of order. But the world hated him before it learned to hate us, beloved. We'll never know this side of heaven or the other, the love of God for us and what it cost him to save us. And those who turn their back from him and will not believe, you, beloved, are the most foolish people on the face of the earth. Do not receive the free gift of salvation from the one who loved you and gave his life for you. There's the music for our break, dear ones, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 877 St. Anthony Mary Claret said, Love is the most necessary of all virtues. A great way to show love for your neighbors is by placing a Catholic Radio bumper magnet on your car. This way, no matter where you go, you're providing the opportunity for others to learn about Christ and His Church. We offer free bumper magnets to promote Catholic Radio so others will come to know our Lord through listening. For your free bumper magnets, click the Promote tab at the top of our website, thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab at the top of our website. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio wherever your journeys take you. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at lifesightnews.com.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. We have a whole half hour to ourselves, and you are welcome to call in with anything on your heart, toll free or text at one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Do we actually have Bradley James on the line? Is that you, Mother Miriam? Oh, Bradley, I cannot stand it that I can't hug you through the phone. Are you calling from Rome? I am, and I can't stand it that I'm not there with you or you're here with us. I'm oh, my. a delight to hear you. My goodness, Bradley, I absolutely love you. And I got your most magnificent letter probably a couple of months ago. I don't even think I answered you. It's been just difficult to keep up on this end. I absolutely love you. How are you? Everything is good, but you know, I'm here in Rome, and I've, I've of course, I'm go. with the Sisters Missionaries of Charity. Yes. And we have so little time for, for anything on, online, but any, and this is for your listeners, this is a, a global message to your listeners, to the world. We need Mother Miriam more now than ever before, and I know now why we were connected all those years ago because your work and apostolate coming from you coming from a woman and who you are mother is it's heaven sent it's divine it's it's what the oh, world needs bradley and to see it witness it live it's a it's it's glorious i'm i, I just can't thank you enough Everybody, Seriously. I met Bradley before I was a sister, before Daughters of Mary even began, and um, <laughs> through a wonderful friend, Rose Sweet, and we had dinner together. That was our first meeting, and I uh, mentioned to Bradley that I had a dream to begin a religious order, and Bradley, I'll never, ever forget that moment. You simply, the, the hair on your arm stood up, and you burst out in tears. The love of your heart, and beloved... Uh, one of the reasons uh, that Bradley is so cherished, uh, well, let me just say, he, um, he's he been with Mother Teresa personally for years. And there's a CD out um, that Bradley wrote and sang to Mother Teresa. I'm trying to think the name of it, Bradley. We have a few Gift copies here. Gift of Love. Yes, I played it umpteen times. So Gift of Love, beloved, if you want to get a little sense of the heart of this wonderful, wonderful brother, Gift of Love. He has done everything for Mother Teresa and uh, for the sisters. He's never stopped since then and to this day. Bradley, you're one of the treasures God has sent into my life. I'll never forget you. I love you, and I'm so happy for the gift of your call today. Uh, well, let's be in touch and, and not wait so long, and, and, and somehow let's connect when I get back to the States. I'd okay. love to see you, and, yeah. and you know that you're in all our prayers. I'm, I'm going Thank into you. Holy Hour in about 45 minutes, and we'll pray for you especially okay. today. Thank you, Bradley, and we for you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Okay, thanks for your gift. Truly a gift of love from Bradley today. 
Oh, now my heart was in pain reading the scourging at the pillar, and now um, God has sent Bradley to to relieve it. It's just such a gift that is he's such a wonderful, unusually uh, gifted man of God. Uh, we have a call from Nellie in Ottawa. I know who Nellie is. Hello, Nellie. <laughs> Good morning, Mother Mary. Good morning, God dear. You. you too, uh, sweetheart. I just immensely love to listen to you every day. Sometimes I listen to each of your uh, broadcasts twice, three times a day just to... Oh, boy, a glutton for punishment you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Mother, uh, as you were reading the Sorrowful Passions, and as uh, she was saying... The ache and the grief that touches my heart, we have no idea how much agony Christ endured, which brings me to my point. And it's amazing that great gentleman who just called you, uh, it's like uh, he had to intercept to what I was going to say about your faith in Christ as a consecrated life. Yet it rips my heart and tears my heart when I hear other consecrated people in the convent, priests, whatnot, who, who have the audacity to say they will not um, contradict the Pope, so-called Pope. And in other words, we're saying Christ lies and a Pope is righteous. That, for me, I ask priests and nuns and people of that consecrated life who profess they believe in the Blessed Virgin Mary, how do they believe in his mother? Yet we tell her son that he lies. We'd rather choose mere man over Christ. This I need someone because as a Catholic, it just grieves my heart. Those people, as far as I'm concerned, are what Christ calls wolves in sheep clothing. It okay. sounds harsh. Okay, Nelly, 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 sweetheart. It's not the truth. Harsh has nothing to do with the truth. If I ever need a preacher, I'm going to come get you. Um, But I tell you what, sweetheart, I tell you Uh what, don't ever forget that faith is a gift. Don't ever lose gratitude. And so when I see people that claim to be this or that or are consecrated and that they appear to be speaking against the faith, um... Uh, I say appear because I want to be careful. God alone knows the heart. God alone knows the full circumstances. To us, if it's in print and it's a quote, it's against the faith. If it's against the faith, it's against our Lord. I'm with you, Nellie, and I understand. But be careful because our anger will grieve God as well. Uh, It can. If we don't pray for their conversion and if we lose a sense of gratitude that we only believe because we've received the gift. There are consecrated people who are not Christians. They have not received the gift of faith. Why are they consecrated? (laughs) Nellie, there's all kinds of reasons. God alone knows that. We know that Satan has entered the church. We understand that. But we need to be careful to focus on the truths of the faith, on building up the faithful. And mm. we don't judge the people. We can't judge the Pope, but we do judge what he does and says. We have to. We have to. Mm-hmm. That we do. Exactly. But we don't mm-hmm. know his heart and those who report about him. 
they could be reporting incorrectly. I don't know, uh, especially this last situation with um, um, with uh, Scafari. I, f- I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. That um, wrote what the Pope said recently about Christ. Uh, people are saying it's taken out of context. It's not the correct thing. This man himself is an atheist. Uh, he's a friend of the Pope, but he's no friend of Christ. So we have to be very oh. careful in our judgment, Nellie. There's our music, beloved one. So I have to go to a break. We'll be right back after the break. God bless you, Nellie. Pray for those who need to be converted. Pray for our Holy Father every day. Okay, we'll be right back, beloved. Don't go away. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download on your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. I always say that because it's always true. Um, this is our last of 15 plus minutes together. And you are welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. As you know, it never needs to be what we're speaking about. Um, toll free or text one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. 
In reference to Nellie's call just before the break, I understand Ellie's, uh, Nellie's anger uh, from Ottawa, Canada. She was calling. She's a very faithful soul. I understand her confusion, her frustration, um, and her anger, and I don't blame her for it because uh, the smoke of Satan indeed has entered the church, which means it's being attacked from within. Forget from without, but certainly from without, but from within, which is the real pain of things. And in response to that, many, many people, uh, Cardinal um, um, Burke, uh, Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke, and um, Bishop Athanasius Snyder had put together a um, a manifesto of truth. I'm not sure if that's the exact title. We read it a couple of months back with 40 truths of the faith. Um, and I think it'd be wonderful for us to go through that again in the near future. But very recently, there's been a film put out called Manifesto of Faith, um, Manif- Manifesto of Faith by Cardinal Mueller, Gerard Cardinal Mueller, and it is a 22-minute film. He wrote a manifesto of faith, and um, uh, it was put into a uh, 22-minute film, and it it has been um, uh, endorsed by Bishop Athanasius Snyder um, and and several others. Um, uh, many, many of you probably have watched it already. You can go on the internet and get it. It's free, <clears throat> it's short, and it's it's a good. Uh, Cardinal Ruler wrote it to to clarify the faith in this time of confusion. And I want to tell you, it's quite mild. It's it, Cardinal Mueller could have said much more than he did, and he could have said it even more strongly than he did. But this is a film that everybody will appreciate. Um, and you can go to manifestooffaith.com on your computer, manifestooffaith.com, and you can, you can uh, see it yourself and sit down with your family. Um, and it would be very good to go through. And again, <clears throat> Cardinal Mueller, who was the prefect of the, um, um, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith for five years, uh, he knows what he's saying. He's very good. He's very faithful. And um, and again, he wrote this, and uh, a film was put to it. Uh, we have an email from Mark, <clears throat> who writes, Dear Mother, I am an English convert to the faith. I've been a Catholic for nearly two years now. I've just spent the last year in a monastery owned by the ICKSP. I don't recall what that stands for. I think it's... Um, I don't remember what it stands for, um, in Germany, before returning to England. The Lord has truly done great things for me, Deo gratias. He says, my question concerns a friend of mine. I have a friend who I met at church when I first started going. Before I left Germany, before I left Germany last year, this friend of mine started dating someone who was also Catholic, and he said he planned to propose. When I returned to the UK, I learned that not only has he not proposed, but he is even cohabitating with her. Furthermore, 
he no longer makes time to socialize with our Catholic group of friends. Well, that's not a surprise now that he's gone into a life of sin. And he seems to have thrown his orthodoxy out the window, which of course he did. He had the audacity to question St. Thomas one time, though this was before I left. He supports the Amazon Synod, and his girlfriend supports LGBT causes, her best friend apparently being gay himself. In response to all this, I decided to send him Cardinal Mueller's new film. Well, how timely is that, that I just talked about it, Manifesto of Faith, so that he could have some interaction with orthodoxy. And so I could not be accused by God of doing nothing to help a friend. He dismissed these quote-unquote developments as being mere responses to what the Holy Father is doing with the Amazon Synod. In response to this, I've decided to avoid contact with him, since charity sometimes excludes familiarity. I am now not going to contact him unless he contacts us first. Is this the correct approach? God bless you, Mother. Um, Mark, I don't think it's the correct approach. If he was in a building that was burning and you told him that there's a door, it's the only way out of the building and he's got to get out to save his life. And he's sure there's other ways out. And he's saying, you know, you're only coming up with that door because you don't want me to take other ways. You know, it's, it's, I don't need to take that door. I'm not even sure it exists. Would you say, well, that's it, I told you, bye, buddy. No, you would not. You would not. You would say you would say to your friend, the building is burning, and you would run in there and you would pull him out. You need to run in there and physically pull him out of the place he's living with his girlfriend. He may fight you, but he'll know that you mean it. He'll know that that is true love. You need to say to him, friend, You are going to burn in hell. This is not a development. Uh, What Cardinal Mueller is saying is no development. This is the faith once delivered to the saints, every word of it. It's not a development. And you are on your way to hell. And if you must repent, you must repent. Uh, You must leave this girl Uh, You must not cohabitate, um, uh, all of that. You need to read the Catechism of the Church. You need to come to God in repentance. You need to turn your life around. You can only do it by God's grace, but he will help you. He will help you. You've abandoned God. He has not abandoned him. He has not abandoned you, rather. And when you go to sleep tonight with your girlfriend, if you don't wake up in the morning you will be in hell. That is, those are God's words. They're in Scripture. God talks about hell in Scripture more than any other subject. <clears throat> no, that's, tr- that's wrong. He speaks about money more than any other subject. Hell is number two, I believe. More than anything else, it's real. And it's hell is for those who reject God. And to be living with your girlfriend... To be cohabitating is to absolutely reject God and it is to reject 
the moral law of God, Romans chapter 2, verse 15, the moral law of God that's written in your friend's heart. The Ten Commandments, one of which is thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, if he's not married and his girlfriend's not married, it's not adultery, but it's certainly fornication. And all the scriptures say fornicators will not enter heaven. Neither will homosexuals. And so if his girlfriend supports LBGT, she is supporting you and the LGBT community who has in turn from their ways, supporting you all going to an eternity without God. It's very, very serious, Mark. You do everything you can to get your friend out of there. <clears throat> we have an email from Lisa. She says, hello, Mother Miriam. I have a question regarding the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15, um, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray, and he taught us the Lord's Prayer. She says, when I pray for someone who is ill, who is in need, I say the Lord's Prayer. And do not ask verbally, either out loud or internally. Let me repeat that. When I pray for someone who is ill or who is in need, etc., I say the Lord's Prayer and do not ask verbally, either out loud or internally. I am confused regarding declaration of specific intentions and how we should or not pray. Oh, I see what you're doing here. What are your thoughts on praying for specific things? My wonderful earthly father passed away today. Oh, my, my dear Lisa, 23 years ago, it has always been a comfort that he passed. Oh, 23 years ago, it has always been a comfort that he passed on the feast day of our Lady of the Rosary. So that was from last Monday. Thank you, Mother Miriam. God be with you. I pray every day and try to pray the rosary every day. Our Lord is talking about vain prayer. He's talking about prayer to be seen, that you don't uh, don't act like you're righteous and spiritual before the whole world. You don't need to be praying out loud and parading your holiness. He's saying your father knows what you need. Go into the closet. Nobody needs to hear you. And he doesn't say that to pray out loud is a problem. I pray out loud with the community every single day. It doesn't say that's not a problem. It's the motive. If if the Pharisees were simply praying to parade their holiness, to um, uh, to be on display, to be seen by men, um, that's what our Lord is confronting here. But to pray... Um, um, in sincerity, uh, that's there's nothing wrong with uh, praying out loud. Don't be like them. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like them who um, uh, act holy but inwardly are not. So that's what he's saying there. Nothing with nothing with praying out loud, beloved. Not at all. And in fact, the Lord's Prayer. It's a very Jewish prayer, and we should pray that way. Not only the words. It's not that the words are magic. It's not just a prayer. It is a prayer, 
but not only a prayer. God is showing us, our Lord is showing us how to pray. And that is, first of all, to say, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The first thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. And the first thing is to praise and honor and give thanks to God. And then we ask him for our daily bread. Um, we need to do that every day. We have Joan on the line from Massachusetts. Hi, Joan. Good morning, Mother. How are you Good. today? I am terrific. Thank you, Joan. You're welcome. Um, I just wanted to ask you, um, yesterday would have been my mother's 89th birthday, if maybe you could say a prayer for her. We I could do that. Her, after her. her name was Joan also. Okay. Okay, that's wonderful. We will pray for you today, Joan, and we will um, ask our community uh, when we go through the rosary. We'll include your mom today, and we'll also include um, uh, um, Lisa's mom and all of you who um, whose um, moms who this is the anniversary of either their death or of their birthday. That's very wonderful, Joan, and we will definitely pray for your mom. God bless you, dear one. Have a good day, and God bless you. Bye. Thank you, sweetheart. Um, We have an email from Valerie in California, and she says, Dear Mother, a fellow parishioner told me Vatican II does not require the priest or deacon only to give communion, but that Vatican II said is... There is such a thing as Eucharistic ministers. Who is correct on this one? Thank you and God bless. No, there is such a thing as Eucharistic ministers. In fact, there is no such thing as Eucharistic ministers. There are only extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist. We've we've shortened it to Eucharistic ministers, but no, they are extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist. They should not be signed up weeks and ahead, six people every Sunday. That is a violation of holiness, a violation of the Mass, a violation of everything. But extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist, if it's a very large parish and the priest cannot simply give communion to everybody, then he could have uh, somebody assisting him. But to to line up with six Eucharistic ministers, so-called, that is uh, a violation of the holiness of the Mass. But yes, extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist can be. They have no business being on the altar at all. And um, again, it needs to be very few, only in the case of need. Okay, beloved, there's our closing music. God bless you, and have a blessed, blessed weekend. Keep the faith. Pray for those who are away from the faith. And pray for Mark's friend, that he, Mark can help him get out of sin. God bless all of you. We'll see you on Monday. Mm-hmm.